This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Tracy Lamori. Tracy is the founder and managing director of Lamori Media, the author of the upcoming book, Get Repped, Build Your Brand with Effective Public and Media Relations and the 2020 Woman in Media Award winner for Woman of Inspiration. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Nice to talk to your audience. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? So it's a long uh, process. I added the, the straight business story is eight years ago, I started freelancing. Five years ago, we started, we, we created a general partnership. And just recently during COVID, we actually scaled up to incorporate. And uh, all, along that time, we've been getting, you know, increasingly more impressive clients and all that stuff. But um, also, I should start by saying, well, yeah, I'm a publicist. And I first learned to write a press release, actually, to do a little good in the world. Way before I ever thought about becoming a publicist, I was just in, in marketing and in sales, working for other people. And uh, I heard about a, a case of an innocent guy on death row who was still on death row at the time in uh, Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, and just became involved with that case. And we'd been, we had a radio show prior to that, so we were used to kind of taking up causes and getting messages out to the world. Uh, our radio show was no longer, but it ended it ended for about two years at that time and it was the early days of the internet so we were kind of using the internet as messaging where people are using podcasts now and getting ideas and thoughts out there and we became involved with this case and i literally went to alta vista which is the precursor to google and searched how to write a press release learned for a media release three or four paragraphs we ended up ultimately building a 20-year campaign pro bono that before the end of it, he was actually released from death row, thankfully to the te- a team of lawyers that had become involved a few years in, partly because of the noise of the case, and they were looking for a case of <clears throat> factual, actual innocence. So uh, anyway, through that work, I was kind of baptized by fire. I got national media, international media on the issue, not just on that case, but on the death penalty in general. So we were around the world dealing with media. A few years later, I was asked to... Um, be a campaign manager for a major political party here in Canada on the lefty side. And uh, I was still just working as an activist. And after that was a really effective kind of activist campaign, again, generated a lot of media attention. And finally, I had an aha moment uh, about two years after that, thinking, geez, this is actually, meanwhile, I'm doing sales and marketing stuff that I don't have my heart in for a living realizing that through the causes that I cared about, just like entrepreneurs, it could be your hobby, it could be whatever. I had developed an amazing skill set that actually people will pay a premium for. And it was literally an aha moment when I said, you know what, I don't want to do these marketing calls anymore. I'm actually a publicist. And from that moment, I looked, thankfully, the internet was a thing, right? So I was able to find sites like Elance at the time. I don't know if it still exists, but freelance sites where you could put your best story up, set up your price, and get clients. I got my first few clients that way. Once I generated about $7,000 with that, that's when I started, you know, putting out my 
proverbial shingle as a freelancer taking on real world clients and just racking up media success after media success without ever having gone to school for it. But again, baptism by fire and doing it because I cared about it. And that's where we are today. And as you said, award winning to this day, you know, now speaking on all kinds of podcasts about entrepreneurship and leadership. And, you know, so that's my journey. So I never meant to be the award winning international publicist. It actually came from trying to do a little bit of good in the world, which I think is a good lesson to learn. Just kind of follow your heart. And my dad at the time would have said, oh, he actually did say to me, if you put as much time into building a business as you did with all of this social justice stuff, you'd be a millionaire now. And I realized at 30, yes, yeah, probably right. But my heart wasn't in that now. Now at 50, I've got the business mind. I know how to do it. <laughs> now I teach about entrepreneurship and how if I'd known that at 20, you know, I would have been that much more successful because I wouldn't have been doing everything on a shoestring. I would have had funding and understand the world of finance to, you know, bring forth some of those great ideas. So. Yeah, I think it's awesome in terms of also having a motivation or starting obviously yourself and when it's kind of uh, focusing on social good. I mean, I got into digital marketing out of necessity. My background was criminal justice. I interned with the Secret Service and out of necessity, I jumped into it, learned it myself and then have been in the field for 12 years. So I think when you want to apply yourself and you really want to learn something, whether it's necessity, whether it's driven by kind of a, a greater good, you're always going to kind of turn out on the right side of that. Right. It's like you have the, yeah, the, the wind under your sails or whatever. You always you end up in the right place. So, I mean, and now we laugh because that gentleman was Jimmy Dennis. He was released from death row in 2017 on evidence of innocence. And not only that, but now he's back, you know, in the recording studio and making amazing music, Rolling Stone did a big piece on him. So now we laugh that, you know, when we met, my husband and I were just, you know, in our 20s doing telemarketing. And he was some guy on death row nobody was listening to saying he was innocent. And now he's, you know, being recognized as an artist. He's in Rolling Stone. We're internationally recognized publicists. Who would have seen that coming? You know, so you can really, and his thing is always never, never give up. So that's something, he doesn't have to be that dramatic a story. We all, especially in the time of COVID, a lot of people are having, you know, mental health issues right now, or they're having just trying times getting through or seeing the end of something or feeling just overwhelmed for whatever reason, big or small. And, you know, I, I talk to Jimmy Dennis every day and he says, yep, never, never, never give up. And I say, well, we didn't get this far to only get those far, this far. And I think those are lessons that we can all, you know, whether entrepreneurs are just trying to get through it, you know, to the other side can kind of take into account. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of people, they were kind of on the, on the cusp of success or getting to where they are or wanted to go, but they kind of got dissuaded either, you know, told like you did technically by your father that if you applied yourself to something else, you, you know, you'd be a millionaire but it would be the foundation and you would get to what your desired goal was. But I feel like a lot of companies, a lot of people just give up too easily in, you know, whatever they're trying to overcome a hurdle or people dissuading them to pursue their passion or a side hustle or, you know, a career pivot and then moving away from that too soon rather than if they stayed into it a so little true. longer. Yeah they would have at least found a level of success and that made a, may have kind of fast-tracked them to wherever they wanted to go. So true. I had a conversation on another podcast recently and the host said something like that and he was saying he, had, he was describing a cartoon that he'd seen you know, with a, a couple of guys, like, just the, you could see the whole miles of tunnel behind them that they'd been through and they've got their pickaxes and they're going to the next. And one of them says to the other, I think, you know, this is crazy. We should just give up. And you can see in the long view, they're literally one like little hit through to the diamond 
So that's the thing, right? It's easy to just, whether it doesn't have to be business, whether it's business or whether it's your personal goal or whatever it is, it's easy to be like, oh man, it's overwhelming. You hear the word overwhelmed a lot. And, you know, especially now it's, there's this like feeling that everybody's overwhelmed, but I found the gold in 2020, not, I'm not, not talking about money though. I've been okay through it. I'm talking about, but I found myself realizing that, wow, I was able to, at first I was sitting there staring at all the leaders on TV going, oh my God, with everybody else for three months, 80% of my work just dissipated. I was doing public speaking, you know, events, supposed to be on some reality TV thing, going to six different cities in June as a PR person for some band. And anyway, it was going to be like all kinds of stuff wasn't happening anymore. So I only had about 20% of my work and like everybody else, I was just staring at the TV in shock what are we going to do now like what 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 and then it suddenly hit me no you know what this is not effective stop doing that stop sitting there looking at every waiting for the american leaders and the canadian leaders and waiting what everybody's saying but whatever just go to your desk and do that 20 percent of work that you have left and i did that and then you know what then there was 30 and then somebody else came in and somebody recommended and all of a sudden i had a plate fuller than i did before covid of different things so you know i've been lucky that way not everybody has a business where they can do that but it, like Whatever it is, it's a lot of it, and I'm not one of these happy, dippy mindset people either, because I think that can be kind of toxic too. But I've literally lived the truth of that. Like I've surprised myself in 50 years by saying, "Oh wow, that literally happened because I kept going, or because I didn't let that stop." You know, so I've learned lived experience in life. And even if you're, you know, the fat girl, the crazy red hair girl, or whatever, you show them what you can do, and then they come to you. You know, eventually. So. Yeah, I mean, in that that situation, kind of people are forced to acknowledge you because you become relevant, regardless, like you said, regardless of where you come from, what you look like, if you become an expert, and you become viable, and you know, you're you're seen in the market as a market leader, or an exactly, expert in your field, you yeah. can't necessarily be ignored, because obviously, you're yeah. you know, causing noise in that industry. Yeah, exactly. Just my husband was saying we were disruptors before they were calling it that. <laughs> but it's true. I, I find it funny now because I'm often on like really high end podcasts talking about, you know, leadership and entrepreneurship and biz- business advice and all that stuff. And then I laugh because they're like, huge audiences. And I remember, you know, 15 years ago, I'd go into those places and they'd be like, yeah, you know, I'd love to hire you. I don't know what you're thinking. I'd love to hire her, but I don't know about that hair. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, hair's kind of my brand, <laughs> you know, and now it doesn't matter, you, you know if I go into a room and they don't know me, sure. Maybe they'll still be like, who's the red hair girl. But if, they, if my reputation precedes me, then, you know, they're all going to be like, ah, oh, come on my podcast. Come talk. So yeah, that's kind of funny too. And that makes me hesitant about, you know, who I deal with as well. It's a good lesson in life too. But I mean, you always have to be appropriate. You have to know what appropriate is and what's expected. And then you can know which rules you are able to break. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can't be crazy and expect to be taken seriously. You have to be within, you know, to understand what's appropriate and where you can throw in a little personality. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it's creating leverage. So the people I spoke to on the show before I had a show, a lot of the time, if I maybe reached out directly via email or had no kind of platform for them to be on and share ideas on, they may have not connected or we may have not networked or, you know, developed a friendship or a business relationship or what have you, but having leverage, regardless of what that is in terms of expertise, a platform, it's a lot easier to reach people that you want to reach. And I think it's a lot um, more amplifying in terms of if you want to do social good or whatever your message is, you can project that a lot, you know, further if you have that leverage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So what motivates you to succeed? Obviously, those motivations may have changed over time, but what currently motivates you to succeed? Um, I guess it depends what succeed is. I mean, like first, what succeeds? So succeed is two parts. Me, number one, it's you know the everyday media successes that I get from my stable of you know clients, which is twenty something clients across fields doing like super cool, amazing things from entertainment to social justice stuff to you know change world changing stuff across continents, right? And so that's I, I'm still I'm lucky that I've been able to make this my life and my work that when I wake up and go down to my desk in the morning, I get to choose from, you know, a bunch of different projects that I actually care about. So that's number one right there is success. And I work 18 hours a day, you know, to do that. And some people are like, well, you know, you should charge more and have less clients. And I, you know, I'm at the stature now where I could do that, but then I would be saying no to a lot of people who don't have other people to tell their stories, you know? So yeah, so that part of success is me being able to like live a success, live a life that other people even view as successful. I'm able to go and do the VIP parties when there's a VIP, you know, the little the stupid things that don't matter that much to me but are cool. Like I like travel, you know, but I'll be the VIP party, whatever. Other people that, that care about those things are like, wow, she's successful, which as you said, allows me to amplify and bring attention to things that they're not paying attention to because I still have my activist heart, you know, so that, but then the other side of things now, as I'm older, as I'm 51, I now, I now I'm starting to, you know, think about things like older people do. I don't have, I never saved any money for retirement. I never thought about, you know, the education of the kids and all that, because we were just living life. We weren't in a position to really save. We were just day to day. So now I'm thinking more, you know, my husband's all about the cryptocurrency <laughs> investing. I never listen. He's got numbers on a computer that supposedly are money, you know. I understand, but <laughs> I don't want to know about it or learn about it. And uh, you know, but generally, yeah, like so so now I'm I'm growing my business where I never thought about that before. I never thought so much about like now we're scaling up. I would have been happy before to just keep on doing what I'm doing, just make my little income. But now I'm thinking about becoming a job creator because I see that I can continue. It's not hard for me to get clients. The only thing that stops me, I mean I don't even look at this com stops me getting more because I can only serve so many in a day. So now I'm incorporated so that we can make that jump because I could get 10, 15 more clients. Once I have a trust in people that I know they'll do the work and then I could be employing 15 people in my community, 20 people internationally. I mean, wherever, you know, there are good publicists that I could find and support and help grow, you know? And uh, yeah. So those two things, like one is actually thinking like a business person now, which is actually new to me as opposed to before just who was an activist turning the ability to make, Pub messaging public into a job into an income right at the same time as i kept doing that you know as an activist and now i'm like okay now but i also have a business consultant who explains to me how that works in the back end and make sure we do this and we share we do that now we're shares and you know now we're the managing director and the founder and we're also the shareholders and we're also the employees and all that stuff with the annual meetings and all that stuff that i didn't have my head around before but it's important so now you know, I'm because I, I, I want to create jobs. I want. I'm in a different headspace now, where I, I, I see what it is to be successful, and instead of being someone that was, you know, you know, all my friends were in the bottom. We were, you know, we didn't grow up in the corporate world, not the bottom, but I mean, you know, we didn't know how to get to the top. And now that I see that I'm almost there, not necessarily super top top financially, but getting there and and knowing how to do it now because that's it seems it's easier and easier for me to make money now. Where before that was a challenge I couldn't break. You know, even if it's not like a million yet, now it's, there's never need anymore. 
there's never a worry. There's always, so now that I've done that, I'm like, oh, wow, you know what? The world is full of money, even now, even in COVID. It's just a matter of framing yourself, doing this, like finding your niche where people want to give you some of it for your good work. It's out there, right? So it's a literally a mindset thing. And that's why I hate sounding like these mindset people. But I've noticed there is some truth, you know, there's a little truth in everything, right? And there's a lot of truth, those nuggets of truth that we hear repeated, 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 that cliches are for a reason, some of them, once you've lived them, you're like, oh, man, it's literally like even that thing they say about money, like scarcity, whatever they call it. For years and years, I would never go out for dinner. I would never think about going treating someone else for dinner. I was didn't have much money and always worried about what I have more in three days. And then a couple of different things happened where circumstances forced me off. I have to go out and you know, spend that money. I have to go out and do that. And then, you know what? It always came back the next day and sometimes came back the next day in double. When I take, when you take someone out for dinner, instead of worrying about whether it's, I mean, honestly, when, instead of worrying about, geez, if I take someone out on Monday, am I going to have enough on Wednesday? Like, cause you really are worried, not cause you're greedy, but, but you really are worried. But you know what? So let me just do it. You know what? Share it. And it does come back <laughs> to do it. There's a trust in and an act in accord you know, don't think that you're, not, you know, in a space where you don't have, you have, you're going to get, you're working towards and just be smart, but also feel like you deserve it and act that way instead of acting like you're not going to get things. Cause then you're telling yourself you're not as well. Right. So. Yeah, I agree. I think you need a mindset shift at some point if you truly want to scale and if you want to truly grow, you need to, be able to have other people around you from different skill sets. So you obviously may be an expert in one thing, but the the back end and writing running an agency or the financials or different other aspects of you know whatever it takes to you know run a company business a startup. If you don't necessarily have that and you try to do that all yourself and juggle, you can't necessarily get to a point where you can scale and create jobs like you said. Exactly. You'll just stay, you know, you'll be great at what you're doing. Like if somebody hadn't come in, like my Jane McCormick, my McCormick Consulting, my awesome business consultant, like if she hadn't come in, you know, I would have gone quite comfortably at, you know, this income level that supports my family, but isn't going to be able to go higher because I only have so many hours in a day. I can, ch- and, I, and I don't want to charge. And I, well, I could go higher because if I only took on those clients, I could pay that high end, but I'm not interested in only taking on those clients that can pay that high end. I do some of that, but I honestly, legitimately, truly would not be happy if I was saying, no, I wouldn't feel good about myself. It was like, you know, especially now in COVID people are not able to, you know, half my client base wouldn't be able to afford the rates that I, I am able to charge some of my clients. Right. So you know, you have to be, like, I want to see things grow. Like I always say, I'd rather, instead of going and working for a craft company and helping them put their message out about cheese, just using them as an example, I'd rather help, nothing wrong with them. I'd rather help, um, you know, somebody with a vision, whether it's an artistic vision or whether it's a business, because I know the skills I have. And if you give me, you know, this much money, enough that I can work with it, I can multiply it. I can amplify what you do. I can make it big and exciting. I can turn you into a celebrity. And then you're going to be like, wow, you're so excited. And a year from now, we're sitting there high-fiving. Look what we did. You know, and that feels like back to your other thing. What is success? I wouldn't feel successful if I turned into a different person where I was just that corporate person only choosing five clients a month who pay top dollar. Nah, meh. Okay. 
great. I mean, I love travel. I like, I like the pretty things money can buy. I've become way more used than I ever thought I would to like fancy hotels because they're paid for me when I go on trip. You know, I used to be like, whatever, give me the cheapest thing. I'm just going to be walking around the city anyway. Now I kind of like that you know, hot tub, <laughs> you know, I've got a little spoiled, but in the, but I mean, I haven't changed to the point if they, that's what's, that's not what's important. If you put that and the parties and the travel beside, but you, you can have all of that, but you're going to have to stop doing that. This messaging for this person, this kind of thing, you're not going to be then who, oh, uh, no, you know, maybe for a year, you know, to build up some money for my family, <laughs> but then no, it's not going to work. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Um, that I've utilized as a strength. So maybe even, okay, I've got a lot of other weaknesses. I'm not trying to use a good thing as a weakness because, I mean, we've all got lots of weaknesses. But when you say that I've utilized as a strength, you know, my passion, you know, as an activist was always really like I was strategic in my messaging and stuff like that. But there were times when, you know, looking back on it, there were maybe, and this isn't about the death penalty stuff or anything, but this is about, you know, a small town named Chatham where we ended up standing up for a, a lesbian couple back in 2011, which you wouldn't think that would be a big Chatham, Ontario. But we, this is what we said. We noticed there were two Canada's. We grew up in the city and then we moved to the small town. The small town was like 1950s Alabama. We ended up standing up, long story short, a lesbian couple ended up creating a national, national media attention because we were always good strategic at that. And it was good good national and really good international media attention that accomplished the goals that we wanted it to accomplish. But the local media attention that was really upset about the local, about the national and international media attention was literally like crucified. It, it crucified us personally. It was like, you know, I, I, I became really depressed actually, which I'm not that kind of a person. Normally I'm like, yeah, whatever. But it took a long time. We ended up leaving that town, which is not the kind of thing we do, but it, it felt like the whole it was, you know, and I went to, I talked to one of the major political figures of our of our country at the time who I knew from other work. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. I can't believe the newspaper said this, you know, this Karen Robin, a person wrote this article. And he literally said to me, and this changed my whole mind. And made me understand this was where I was mistaken and where I had a mindset that changed me later. He said, what just happened to you was a clear example of a, politi- of, of, of a clear political smear job. And then I was like, oh, and it changed everything. Because this politician had, had dealt with his, you know, all that too, like all politicians do. But before that, I was thinking, oh, my God, I've been bullied by the paper. I've been bullied by the local politician. I've been. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, put your big girl panties on. Because just because you've had 15 years of activist life or public life where most of you speaking out, even on controversial topics like the death penalty, has led to television appearances and awards and people saying, oh, Tracy, it's so nice that you've done that. And meant, you know, but that's not what activism is all about. That's when I realized, you know, most people, when you're, you got to be ready to take your shots. If you're really out there, you got to be ready to have, you know, what happened to Martin Luther King? You don't want that. But I'm saying this is what actually happened sometimes. People get in that, in things. They get shot. They get rocks thrown at their houses. They have their, you know, reputations pulled through the mud by people who are challenging. All that stuff is the price of activism sometimes. And like, I, I can't remember which famous black author said it. I don't know. I think it was Maya Angelou, but I don't want to miss cool. I think it was Maya. And she said, activism is the price we pay for living on this planet. So uh, when I heard that, I thought, you know what? Like, 
I lost a lot from speaking out in that case. Now, I was, that was not paid messaging. That's right before I had the aha moment that I was a publicist. When we left that town, came back to Toronto, started doing, you know, marketing for pay, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, wait a minute. I've been so good at this messaging, getting this kind of international attention. I need to monetize, me, you know, media messaging. So, yeah. So, but that's where, so I learned there. And then from there, that's actually been a strength because I've been able to tell that story when I work with clients who have, they don't have a dramatic story like that, but when they feel misunderstood in their messaging or when people are doing something good and they have good motivations, whether it's business or personal, and you know, then something bad happens and it, it like, it's like it, ha- it happened because they were doing good. And if, it, if they hadn't been doing good, that thing wouldn't happen. But you don't want them to walk away and what never do good again. Right. So I've used that story. People are like, wow, that happened to you. Cause it got, since then I've developed a reputation where people, you know, know my work and they know, and they're like, wow, that actually happened to you. And, you know, and, and to be able to share that thing, what I said about that happens to activists even though you know me, that doesn't matter. Like if you're out there and that's going to be a chapter in my book about that. My book is about mostly positive media messaging because in 25 years of, of media messaging from the death row stuff to the work I do now, I haven't had any negative stuff. Like I have no other reporters that one who decided to do a smear campaign for whatever reason. So I'm using that now as a teaching moment. Like I have with my clients over the years, I've been proud of that article, you know, which I don't think doesn't find it. It's not even online anymore, but um, as a teaching moment to show that that's what can happen to you in media too, as all, you know, and we've all seen it in big and small, you know, one of my clients was in the movie, Clint Eastwood directed a movie, Richard Jewell, about two years ago, about the uh, bombing in the Olympic State Park bombing, you know, and that guy was the security guard or whatever, who had found the original backpack. And then for a minute, he was a hero. And then for like two weeks, everyone thought it was him. Turned out it wasn't him. It was painful to watch that, you know, having worked in wrongful convictions and everything and realizing how media, which I work in, can turn someone's life into like a nightmare. You know, so that's a cautionary tale too. And that's why I'm including a chapter in my book that talks about, you know, you have to expect not so much don't do things, but be expect don't don't be surprised when the things that you do, even the good things that you do, when it's you know, come across uh people who are countering it for whatever reason. Obviously it's not gonna happen if you're just talking about entrepreneur and business stuff, but there's gonna be a chapter talking about when you're presenting, you know, more challenging messages or more controversial messages. Yeah, and I think even if like you're advocating, obviously advocacy, you you have things like you said, some violence towards you or what have you. But even if you're doing everything right in your business or personal life, there's always going to be that one person or group of people that aren't going to like what you're doing, not simply based on you, but insecurities they have in themselves, jealousy and stuff like that. So you'll you'll always have people that come out of the woodwork or obviously like in other news organizations, media outlets, things of that nature that don't necessarily want to see you succeed, but ultimately are insecure in themselves in terms of who they are and you know what they represent. But yeah, that's so you're so true. That's another thing I say to artists or to or a lot of people, you know, I'm a young artist and I'm always worried you're going to put up the YouTube and then they're going to get one negative comment and that's the only one they're going to hear and they're just going to be devastated. And I said, like, before I even put it up, realize, number one, a lot of those comments skew negative because people have nothing better to do with their time and they just want to be assholes and there's a forum where they can be an ass. So expect it to be negative, you know. But also, if 90%, honestly, in this world, like you said, there's people who, for their own reasons, don't like you. 
has nothing to do with you. You could do like literally everything you could, everything in the world for them. And they still wouldn't because it's about them. Right. And so if 99% of the people love you, there's always going to be that 1% that really, 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 really hates you. They really hate you. And they're going to be the loudest. And you might think of them more than the other, you know? So don't do that. <laughs> Just know that you're doing, as long as you're always, you know, sure within yourself that you can always, you're authentic and you're genuine and that you're willing to stand up for everything that you're saying and doing. It doesn't matter who the audience is or what stage you were in front of, whether it's on social media or real life, you're willing to, you know, like, I can't think of anything I've said in the last 25 years, 30 years that you could call me on that I won't say. I might say, oh, man, yeah, I spoke a little quickly there. I should have been more, you know, politic in my response, you know, like, you know, but there's, I, I didn't think, I think of one thing I've said that you could call me on that I won't back up because I say what I mean and I mean what I say. And that's a strength in life, you know, in business and in everything else. And if you make a mistake, you own it. If you, you know, you're not saying you're perfect. If you make a mistake, you own it. You screw up. You don't know something. You're like, man, I'm sorry. I, you know, and then you're okay. But it's, it's in the cover up. It's in the lying. It's in the trying to be something that you're not. That's yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you may have for the audience, personal or professional? Say it a little, uh, one more time. What's one piece of advice you have for the audience, personal or professional? More personal than professional? Either or, or both. Oh, either or. Um, I guess the most thing will be both. Like whether, whether it's personal or professional, don't be all out for yourself. Lift other people up along with you. Like a rising, if you need a quote or a cliche, a rising tide, you know, really, really does lift all boats. Whenever, honestly, whenever someone says, oh, you're so awesome, I'm, I'm, I always say back, well, so are you. And I'm, it's not a lie. It's true. They are. They are. But people are often looking at other people, you know, on the social media is a big thing, too. They, they look and they compare and a lot of people are depressed by what people are seeing. Like, oh, no, no, no. Like, you know, whatever. Like, I have a job that's public. I get to do some cool thing, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, uh, this, I could show you behind this. This is a really messy, messy ass room. You know, and up there, I got I could, I could be spending an hour away from here. I should be going up and telling my kid this and that, and making sure. So we all screw up. We're all, nobody's perfect. None of us are, you know, the fancy people that you think that they are. We're all more like you than you, you know, the viewer than you think. And I think, and I work with a lot of power women. I see some women, especially that, you know, they'll give me all their bio or whatever, and then I'll write up a little one page about them and then they'll say oh wow you made me sound so awesome and it was literally with the information they gave me but they don't see themselves that way and so people often see the people doing good things the people getting awards the people on tv as other you know, or even the people doing podcasts and the people writing articles as other those people have a voice and i'm just a consumer well you know what you're you have a voice too and no matter what you do for a living whether you're you know a landscaper or a maid or whatever there are things about your job things and insights that you have that's that, that, are, that are interesting and something that you know you could be taking the media you could be writing about you could that's why you hear a thought leader thing you could start to be talking about things in your field and all that and you know, there's huge opportunities, especially in 2020. There's more and more podcasts these days, really good podcasts, reaching audiences like you, you know, with really good messaging. And there's more and more opportunities, A, to learn about the things that we don't know, because none of us know what we don't know. Like 80% of entrepreneurs, if you're sitting here thinking, I've never thought of a publicist for a business, you're like 90% of entrepreneurs. They don't think about that till the corporate, they have a communications team, which is the PR team. 
But entrepreneurs is a million, literally media opportunities every day that I find. I have clients, you know, right now I have a, a psychologist, a diversity, other than I have tons of media people, obviously entertainment. But in terms of like other, where you don't think they have a publicist, I have a diversity expert. I have a psychologist. I have a luxury real estate agent. I have, you know, um, a woman who just started a, a brand, like a skincare brand. You know, I have a mortgage expert. Like all these people can speak to their own expertise. And I find them all, the SEO expert. I find the media opportunities, mainstream media opportunities to be quoted. And then that elevates them. So when, when a client, a potential client is going to look at their website and the other guy's website, and this one's got 15 media and this one's been a good app, you know, they go to the media because people like media. They assume that means you're the very best at what you do. If you're on TV, TV must have looked far and wide for the very best speaker. No, generally he's the one who gave them the idea or he's the one who had the publicist, <laughs> you know. But the credibility that it brings is more than you can buy in any ad. So I would say, to answer your question without my babbling, on a business perspective, if they have a budget for any advertising or marketing at all, they should see, take don't do that for one month and put that budget toward PR. See what a publicist can do for you. I work internationally if you want to try me. But any or, or another, you know, a PR team. So see what they can do for you with your regular ad budget, because then you'll even if you don't hire them again, then you'll have an understanding of the PR side of things, the kind of opportunities you're missing, what they're, you know, seeing. You'll see some of their strategies. Some of it you might be able to do yourself, you know, like putting out press releases like corporations do, but most entrepreneurs aren't. Do that, and um, yeah, you can. There's a few things you can um, try yourself, but you've got to be really careful before reaching out to the editor, because most um, entrepreneurs don't understand the difference between entrepreneur, you know, editorial and advertorial. So you don't want to reach out to the editor with something that is not news and burn your bridges. But definitely start thinking about media. And I'm happy to offer a free 15 minute consult or you know look up a reputable PR team. But you, with your most PR houses, you're going to be looking at something like three thousand bucks a month, three month minimum to start. But that's where I do you know COVID stuff. I, I'll do different packages for people in the 500 to 1,000 a month range if they need it. But it depends, you know, I'm just saying if you have a corporate budget for marketing, put it aside, try PR. If you don't, do a little research. Think about your story. You have a story in, in your company. And don't just think about the product because you're not talking about an ad. But think about your story, why you do it, what's different, what you might be able to say about the market, what you might be able to tailor towards something like Christmas. You're too late for Christmas now, but New Year's, Easter, Grandmother's Day, whatever. Think about something that you're, so you're gifting the media basically with content appropriate for their audience. You're not ever asking for free ad space or they'll be happy to send you to the ad department. They need the funding too, right? So... Awesome. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yeah. Um, I hope you'll spell out my name for them because it's a hard one. But if you have the spelling of my name, you can find me at Lamori or lamorimedia.com is my website. On Instagram, Tracy Lamori PR Media. And I live on Facebook, Tracy Lamori. And on all of those things, you can see all of my more nearly daily successes for cross section of clients across industries. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you, sir. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.